We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire Basketball Podcast presented by DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. All right, it is Thursday, March 10th. Nick Whalen joined, as always, on Thursdays by Rotowire's James Anderson and the owner of a new Kevin Garnett jersey. Yeah, I have no idea who bought this and sent it to me. Uh, got it in the mail a couple days ago you know it's it's his rookie season blue with green print uh jersey so i mean that's basically the best kevin garnett jersey you could own but i didn't request it i like kevin garnett i, I like his just general aura as as kind of a, a super tough guy and you know i've been a big fan of his for years but he's definitely not you know, even in like the top five or maybe even the top 10 of players whose jerseys I'd want. So I don't know. I don't know if he's in the top 50. If we want to go all he time. Would be, he would be in my top 50, I think. I, I like KG. Okay. Like, I mean, he he's, I think, I think he's one of those guys that you'll appreciate more like when he's like 10 years removed from yeah. the game. Uh, uh, do you feel like his legacy, I don't think tarnished is the right word, but do you think it's it's losing a little bit of luster just because he's kind of hanging on so long and being, you know, just a guy who plays six minutes every now and then? I, I, you certainly don't hold it against him, obviously. Not, but not really. Just because, I mean, like, Hakeem Olajuwon did that. Ewing. Uh, yeah, Ewing. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really think it matters. I mean, nobody's – it's not like he's going out there and performing 
worse to a worse level than people are expecting him to who would ever do that like, at the end of their career that, that seems like a tough <laughs> idea yeah As someday is a garnett brooklyn jersey going to be the equivalent of seeing a patrick ewing sonics jersey someday yeah that's i think it will that's be. no good you, you definitely don't want that one i i don't even mind the t wolves jerseys from when they had the the trees on the the sleeves i mean those are Great look those are pretty solid so any any t wolves kg jersey is is pretty classic yeah so if, if somebody one of the listeners is responsible for this i don't know who possibly I, would be honestly you just have no clue because like <laughs> it like i you know only a handful of my friends even know my address and none of them are under the opinion i don't think that i that i'm a huge kg fan i, I don't really understand yeah it, i have no I don't know a Griffey jersey. Who? What jersey would you expect someone to buy for you? Uh, you know, an Arizona basketball jersey. Maybe uh, you know, Steve Nash, Anthony Hardaway. I mean, these are people that ev- all my friends know. I like those players and, and teams. So it, it, that wouldn't come as a surprise. But the the KG one, uh, a little a little head scratching. Less head scratching than if someone had sent me a, a Chris Paul jersey. Who? is probably my least favorite player in the NBA right now. Yeah, you texted me last <laughs> night during, I think, the third quarter of that Clippers-Thunder game shortly after Chris Paul had uh, used his hand to make contact with a certain area of Kevin Durant's body uh, that sent Durant kind of lurching to the floor. Do you actually really dislike Chris Paul, or do you just dislike the way that he plays basketball? Well, it's kind of one and the same, right? I mean, I the only thing I judge NBA players for – in 99% of the time is what they do on the court. So I, I don't like that. Like he, he, his antics are just so far and above like Bush league that compared to like anything anyone else does, like where he, he the thing I was specifically upset about last night, I didn't even watch much of that game cause it wasn't that close late, but he does that thing where, and he does, I've seen him do this, you know, a dozen times probably where he is dribbling, he gets the inbound pass and everyone's kind of jogging back up the court, and then he he goes out of his way to to get in the way of someone who's not paying attention, and and he got forces, to rant with that last yeah, night. Forces too. them to like trip up, and then it's a foul. Like to me, that's the offensive equivalent of a flop. It's not a basketball it play. It's like you're you're clearly going out of your way to draw contact mm-hmm. with someone behind half court. Like you're not even in the the field. Of well, play, it happened really. last night where Paul caught the inbounds pass. And Durant was trailing him. I think Durant must have yeah. taken the shot and was running yeah. back. And yeah, Paul just kind of sticks his butt out, yeah. almost takes a reverse dribble. Right. And Durant's reaction—he didn't argue it. You know, I mean, he it's was, a foul technically. He so. gave him the look that you give yeah. like someone at a rec hoops game that is trying to steal the inbounds pass. You know, <laughs> like like it, he gave him the look like for real, like we're seriously doing this right now. Like, but it's all the all those right. players know that that's like his thing, and they're all like sick of it. And I, I'd be yeah. sick of it too. Like, if you want to make the argument that he's being smart and getting those fouls, like that, it, it's go, it's a little too far for me. I think it's that that move has to be punished. But like, the NBA needs to have a rule where if you do that and it, you have a track record of doing it, like you can just say, Chris Paul, like we know that you do this, you do this like several times a year in in high profile spots. Like next time it happens, that's a foul on you because it's not a basketball play. It's just like a flop. It's it's there's really no need for it in the game it slows the game down gives a guy like durant a foul like nobody like a foul he didn't deserve at all really and mm-hmm. and it's slightly dangerous i mean you're, you're basically creating a, a situation where two players are probably going to the ground and i just i just don't really understand yeah. what the point is there he also does the thing where if he gets fouled you know behind half court or something like that he immediately goes up with the shot like every single time and not only does he go up with the shot he asks for the foul on like he's like dismayed that he's not getting that foul called and it's just it's it's insane yeah I don't mean I don't I'm not going to make a claim that it's a safety issue although there is an argument for that and the argument you know kind of going in favor of that is we see flagrants called for a lot worse or a lot less I mean you know, yeah. a lot less contact a lot you know, it, I wouldn't say it's a malicious act by Paul. Uh, you, no, he's certainly not trying just, to hurt anyone, but we see calls on things that are less malicious, less dangerous, completely less unnecessary. Right. I mean, it's it's not like I I'd much rather a player give a hard foul on a fast break. That's you know clearly there's a purpose behind it. You're trying to stop the player from 
from getting an and one or, or just getting the two points. I'd rather see that than this nonsense behind half court where it's it's clearly not you're just taking advantage of a situation where there hasn't been a loophole that's been closed here. It's still wide open for you to take advantage of it, but it's not a basketball play. Nobody does this in real games of basketball. So I, I think that the NBA should look into. Do you think they actually will? No, because it's, it's too like, nobody complains about it. Like, I mean, maybe some like diehard basketball fans who, who watch this stuff all the time have noticed it and complain about it. But like, it's not to the point where like Jeff Van Gundy's sitting there uh, blasting the rest for allowing it to happen mm-hmm. because well it's only one guy that's and it, the thing yeah and it's kind of an under the radar thing like you might just be watching a game see it happen and just not think anything of it but when it happens over and over and over again with the same guy and it's always just him him just doing it and the other player having no there's nothing you can do. Like if you're jogging up and he runs in front of you, like what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to Jump not make him. contact? <laughs> Jump over him. Yeah. All right. Um, no, that that actually is a good point. It is like you said, it's not something. It's something that everyone kind of groans about, but it hasn't really gotten any traction as far as should there actually be change. You know, like we, we, I think so much of that is kind of focused on the hacker issue. So the Bucks and the Heat. We won't talk too much about the Bucks, but I wanted to get your thoughts on point, Giannis. I haven't really had a chance to talk to you about this. They've been going to this for the last what six or seven games now. Hasn't necessarily resulted in, you know, noticeably better team play, I guess, team results. You know, the Bucks kind of hovering around five hundred over their last ten or eleven games. They did beat Miami last night. Heat still, you know, without Chris Bosch, still a little bit of a banged up team. But the Bucks have been a different animal, really. The way the way that they've been using Giannis as a full-time point guard, you know, this has been something that's been in the works. You've, you've heard Jason Kidd talk about it. You've heard people around the league talk about it for the last few years. But this is the first stretch of play where they've consistently used him as a point guard, not just as a, if you get a rebound, you can go. It's, no, if, if someone else gets a rebound, they're getting it to Giannis to set up the offense. Jared Bayless, OJ Mayo, guys that they've been using at point guard in the past, they've been moved off the ball now to the two, which has worked pretty well uh, for two guys who can shoot the ball. Mayo, you know, you can you can make your qualms about that. Um, but at least when it comes to the Bucks, he's a top three shooter on this team. Carter Williams done for the year. That was a concern for me because if he was going to come back, it looked like it was initially knee tendonitis. Uh, now he has a, a hip issue, a torn, torn tendon in the hip. Had he come back, you can't really play Carter Williams off the ball. So I was a little bit worried that if he was going to come back into the right. rotation, we were going to see Giannis shift off the ball a little bit more. Uh, and obviously that would hurt his fantasy value. But I think the silver lining of this Carter Williams being ruled out for the year is now there's 17, 18 games left in the season, and we're mm-hmm. going to get a pretty nice sample size of what point Giannis looks like in more than just a few spurts. Yeah, I've been a pretty big fan of it. It's, I mean, it's made the Bucks much more watchable, I think. Yes. And And the the thing I like the most about it is that it's speeding up his development as a as an overall basketball player, like I think that just having the ball in his hands that much more allows him to improve incrementally each night. And I'd like the idea of it being sort of a long-term thing unless they end up drafting a point guard or signing one that is, has the potential to be like a, a top 20 or top 15 point guard in the league. Like at that point, maybe you only do it for, you know, sort of stretch like the way the Warriors sort of use their lineup of depth. Like they don't they don't use it all game long. You could just use the Giannis at point thing for you know six minutes here, six minutes there. But right now, it's it's clearly their best option. I'm glad that uh, you know circumstances allowed for it to to be utilized. And I mean, I, I do think it's semi sustainable because you can't have. You know, only certain players can match up with Giannis, and he's going to probably be able to get by every single one of those guys yeah. with the ball. So I, I think it's it's not really an issue. Uh, I think it gets the rest of the offense more involved. I think Jabari Parker's been a lot more kind of engaged and involved, especially in, in transition and stuff like that with, with Giannis running the point. So it uh, kind of frees some stuff up in the front court too. Yeah, the big thing – I think with Giannis, the, the biggest knock on him early in the season and especially toward the end of last season was the inconsistency. You know, we would see these games every now and then where he would go for 25, 13 rebounds. Wasn't really putting up assist numbers like he is now back then. 
Um, but, you know, a couple assists, a couple blocks, a few steals, kind of flashing that all-around potential. And then the next time out, he would only take five shots, mm-hmm. you know, would look, would look timid from the perimeter. The thing about him playing on the ball is it basically totally eliminates the chance that he's not going to be involved in the offense. Yeah, if he's dribbling the ball and bringing it up, he's going to be involved no matter what. He's not just going to stand out on the wing because at that point, he's basically, he ha- you know, if he's playing off the ball at the three like he was earlier, he had to rely on, you know, catch, dribble, get to the hole. You can't shoot the ball. That 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 was obviously being mm-hmm. a pretty major issue. Defenders playing off him, and they still are now. But he's a little more confident in the jump shot. You know, they're running a lot of you know high pick and roll. If it's not open, rescreen, kind of get him free the other way. And he said, I think it was after the Minnesota game last Friday that his confidence is really at an all time high. You know, mm-hmm. they had Ricky Rubio on him to start that game. He blew by him, posted him up a couple times in the first quarter. They tried some other guys on him. And it's just there's no team has a perfect matchup really for this guy. And when he's on the ball, I think that that kind of exposes the defense even a little bit more. Right. That's that's kind of what I was getting at with just, you know, he's 21. He's he's clearly still developing. And when he's playing off the ball, there's going to be games where he doesn't really improve at all. Like as a player, like he might touch the ball like 20 times, 25 times, shoot the ball six times and you know leave the game kind of the same player he was going into the game this way there's going to be incremental growth every every single game just because of the usage rate right exactly and you know we've seen him take at least 11 shots uh in close to the bucks last 20 games and and that kind of goes you know uh, to the point that i just mentioned where he's just he's involved in every game and when you when you're at a point in the season that the bucks are where you're not making the playoffs and you're just kind of looking to salvage something like spirits are at an all-time high right now i think in in the bucks community which is weird because they haven't been playing all that much better as a team I and mean, they haven't won more than more than two games in a row since you know mid mid january so mm-hmm. you know it's i think it's it's shifted from december january it was a bad team and nobody looked like they were improving everybody was down on parker everybody was down on Giannis. now well, it's it's yeah, they're still a bad team but every at least the pieces that you want to be good are playing well yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to judge it because of wins and losses. Just because I still look at this roster and right. don't see many good players, and I see, you know, one of their three best players is Greg Monroe, and he doesn't really fit on the roster. So you have, you know, Giannis and Middleton are really the only uh, well above average players that are getting big minutes and fit into the offense. Uh, Jabari still a work in progress. Monroe. Yeah, it doesn't really fit. So it's not a surprise they're not winning games, but at least that they're kind of going to enter next year with some more versatility and some more options. Yeah, and and just to close on this, what do you what do you think they should do at the the point guard spot? Like, let's say that that hypothetical Monroe Holiday swap is still on the table this summer. If you have an opportunity to bring in a guy like Holiday or Jeff Teague or you know a proven starting point guard in this league, not a Michael Carter Williams, do you do it? and you know kind of take the risk of moving Giannis back off the ball or do you think they've seen enough or will have seen enough by the end of the year that they might actually go forward and use Giannis as a point guard full-time uh I I don't know I, I think it'd be it'd be interesting if you could get if you could get Holiday or Teague I just I have no idea what the market for Monroe is right now like I'd I don't think anyone does. It's part, really tough. Part of me wants to say you should be able to do better than Drew Holiday, just given how how injured he's been lately. But uh, you know he's playing pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I wouldn't be upset with that. And you would. Uh, I don't know how many years are left on Holiday's deal, but he's I, got he's expiring after next year. Okay, well you'd be saving money. Uh, kind of, yeah, a little bit. You could maybe go out and sign someone else then at that point. Mm-hmm. I just don't I don't think like I like Mon- I like what Monroe does in a vacuum. I just don't think it really fits on what they're like this team is best served trying to be an excellent defensive team that gets out and runs. Like I think that's that's this team at its best. Greg Monroe does and not do either of those things. The only way that Jabari really kind of fits this team long term is if he's the only player in the starting lineup that's a zero defensively and right now that's not the case because right. of Monroe so I think in order to maximize Parker and the amount of wins you can get with Parker as a big part of the team moving Monroe seems pretty necessary right I think you can afford to have 
you know, some other average defenders, but you can't have your two worst defenders be your power forward and your center. Right. And, you know, you can hide with, with guys like Giannis and Middleton, you can hide Jabari on the other team's worst, like, non-point guard, basically. Right, yeah. Uh, but, but you can't hide both those guys. Right. Okay, so last night, the Thunder, that was the big game on ESPN. They avenged that loss to the Clippers from a couple of weeks ago, 120-108. I mean, where does this Westbrook 25-20-11 line <laughs> rank? I mean, is that is that the most impressive single-game line that you've seen this season? I don't Davis think so. Is, Weren't Davis we had talking the, what, the about something? And 20. The, yeah, was it 59-20? and 20? There I mean, was like another – somebody else had something crazy too uh, – I mean, Curry's had a, yeah, a ton Curry's of crazy games. His, any game, you look through Curry's game log and you can pick one out. Durant. I mean, the thing about Westbrook is, like, none, none of this, like, he could do. I'm, I'm trying to think of a line that would surprise me. Like, I don't, I don't know. 20, like, 20, 20? Like, 40, 20, 20. Like, but it still <laughs> would be like, yeah, if, yeah, if somebody like, told you someone got that line and asked you who it would be, like, your first guess the would only, be Westbrook. The right? only guess. Yeah. Like, the only possibility would be Westbrook. That, right. That's the cool thing about him is there's – there's lines that only he can get in the in the yep. entire league, and uh, you know the assists. A lot of guys were just burying open looks that I, I'm not sure they always bury. I saw Andre Robertson hit a three. Yeah, um, he also had a lot of just kind of drive in and and dunk, dunk it down. Yeah. yeah, dump it down to Cantor or Adams, which you know I mean assist is an assist yeah. and. The, I mean, the, the the defense in this game was just atrocious on, on both sides. I mean, everyone was just kind of scoring and getting into the paint at will. So uh, the Clippers, to me, kind of looked sort of lifeless. Like, they, they looked kind of checked out given – I mean, this was a high-profile national TV game, and they weren't really competing all that hard. No, no, they really weren't. Durant now has at least 30-10-5 in six of his last seven games, leads the league – uh, in 30 10 and 5 games which I almost feel like he the season that he's having is kind of being taken for granted just because of how good Curry's been all the the stories coming out of Cleveland that seem to dominate um, you know the news cycle and with as good as Westbrook has been too and somebody ran a poll last night I, I want to say it was was Chris Towers from CBS I could be very wrong on that um, you know asking who's better Durant it was like Durant by a lot Durant by a little Westbrook by a little or they're even and Durant by a little was kind of the runaway winner which of those four choices which would you go with I'd go Westbrook by a little really yeah I've I've kind of been in that camp for a while like a few years actually just because of I, I just like I kind of like Westbrook's intangibles more like I, I think that they're both just ridiculous talents but if I had to if I had to start a team or, or go into a, a playoff series with just one of them, I would, I would take Westbrook because he's just nonstop on both sides of the ball, regardless of who they're playing, regardless what the stakes are. And I just I really trust him in big games. And and that's not to say I don't really trust Durant. I just I think Westbrook's just really really unique and. I mean, it's it's not meant to be a slide on Durant at all. I mean, I think they're both top five players. I mean, Durant's it's it's potential. He could potentially go fifty, forty, ninety this year. So, I mean, he's a he's a monster. I just I think I'd probably take Westbrook. Okay, so the, I did. I just found the poll. It, it was actually by Adi Joseph from uh, Sporting News. So sorry for the miscrediting there, but yeah, it was forty percent. KD slightly better. 18% KD's much better, 28% they're basically equal, 14% Russ is slightly better. I would I, maybe I would go they're they're basically equal. That might be my my pick there. Um I mean that's kind of a cop out, but I just sure. I don't know if you ask me to like rank the best players in the league, I wouldn't I I don't know. I mean I I think I'd probably it's have KD, these guys right man. next like, to each other. The re- like, what is the reason? I think, the, again, and this poll shows it, the prevailing belief is that KD is the better player, even though it's not by much. Like, what is it exactly that makes him the more valuable guy? It just, is there still that perceived, like, volatility with Westbrook where even last night he had seven turnovers? I just don't think people are able to look at his game. Like, Durant doesn't have any, like, blatant flaws, really, as a player. Uh, and people 
can easily watch Westbrook on a given night and be like, oh, man, like what was he doing taking that shot? Like what was he doing there? And they're not able to pop, like the human brain isn't really prop- properly able to you know weigh the the pros and the cons right. of a player and co- spit out like a, a number you know based on that or spit out some sort of a grade. And if you have one player that's got a, a few flaws and another player that doesn't really have many flaws, and you're probably going to side with the one without the flaws. Well, I think Durant being a seven foot shooting guard basically mm-hmm. has a little bit of something to do with it too. He's such—I mean, Russ is an absolute physical freak at the point guard spot, but he is only six four, six five, which still falls into the relative norms for the position. Whereas Durant being six, seven inches taller than some guys, you know, that have his same skill mm-hmm. set, I think it is valued a little bit more. But it's interesting because two years ago, or even even probably for parts of last year before Durant got hurt. This really wasn't much of a debate at I, all, right? I, I was I, I liked Westbrook more than Durant two years right, ago. Right, but that would have been a contrarian right, take right. back then. Like now it's actually totally acceptable to have this debate. Like people right. would shut you down. It would be it, it would it was kinda like debating LeBron versus Wade. Like okay. LeBron was better, you know. But now I didn't know anyone that had the weight. Like I have a couple pe- buddies that like Westbrook more than people, Durant a couple well, years ago. Well, I think ago. it was more biased. People would always try to say that. Really? I mean, maybe people that I talk to because <laughs> pe- most people that I talked to seem to hate LeBron, so I think that was a lot of it. I I don't really love lebron and i would never Take ever consider Take that <laughs> i mean lebron versus wade not even not even kind of close really to me at any point in what about lebron careers. wade or haslam <laughs> rank them uh, well, one of them has had Rose before, so I'll take that guy. That's true. Um, okay, well, LeBron's had cornrows too, actually, but we'll, that's, that's a discussion for another day. Speaking of LeBron, <laughs> Cavs got back on track. Um, maybe I've Wait, looked at some. Le- yeah, in like middle school. Oh, There's man. photos out there. I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just went up a notch in my book. Yeah, exactly. He's back. Um, <laughs> speaking of LeBron, Cavaliers avenged that ugly loss to Memphis on Monday. They beat the Kings 120-111. They were behind for a lot of this game. It kind of looked like going into the half, it was going to be a, a redux of what happened on Monday, but Cavs got things going in the third and, and closed strong. Kevin Love had a big four-point play uh, that kind of ended up sealing this game. J.R. Smith uh, brought back the, I guess, is it an air guitar celebration? Is that the best way to describe it? I think so. Where the do the that yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw it yeah. when the last time we've seen it was with the Knicks, right? I don't know if he's pulled it out since he's been in Cleveland. At least not that I've seen. I haven't been following it closely. I have. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was that was nice to see. That was big. The did you see the the player intros from this game? No. The I, Kings brought I, in the LeBron James kid to introduce LeBron. Okay. Which I thought was cool. Okay. Uh, judging by your reaction, I don't think you think it's nearly as cool as I do, but I thought it was pretty hilarious. I don't know who the, who is the LeBron, the LeBron James, James kid. Oh, okay. fine kid. Okay. So like okay. they had the regular announcer like at small forward number twenty three from Saint Vincent. So they Mary brought him in like live. Like yeah, he was yeah, in he the was building. in the arena, sitting next to the PA guy. So like you know the PA okay. guy sets him up, and you know Saint Vincent Mary High School, and then he chimed okay. in with the LeBron James roaring laughter at Sleep Train, which I think this was actually LeBron's last game. At Sleep Train Arena. Okay. Going um, out with a bang. Yeah, exactly. It's for real. <laughs> what, um, was, what was LeBron's like reaction to that? I don't know. I couldn't find that. I was searching all over. Everybody ha- was sharing the same vine where it cut off right after the kid okay. said it. Like Knowing LeBron, he probably didn't acknowledge it at all, but I, I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's cool. Confirmed. <laughs> uh, but LeBron, 25, 11, and 6 in this one. Did have five turnovers. One of five from three. Kevin Love, two of eight from three. Kyrie, three of ten from three. The Cavs took 44 threes and only made 13 of them. They are a team that shot well uh, at times, and they, they kind of seem to go uh, as LeBron goes. He's been about as streaky as it gets and mostly on the negative side uh, from three this year. How much of an issue is that going to be come playoff time? I think they're there seems to be this belief that you know LeBron will make him when he needs to, but there's absolutely nothing over the last season and a half to really suggest that that's going to happen. No, and I I think that you know I, I don't think it's going to matter how many he's making in the finals, but I think in the Eastern Conference Finals, like a viable strategy would be to just give him the three. I think yeah, you well know, teams like, are doing that. Right, if like, you watch how they're defending him, they it, it's kind of like. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think there there were times when uh, the Spurs would play like the great Kobe teams and and just kind of encourage Kobe to try to win the game single handedly, or um, 
you know teams have teams have done that over the years with superstars that that kind of think they're a bit better at shooting than they are and LeBron's not that type of player like I don't see him ever really trying to take over a game uh from the outside but if you give him if you're the Raptors or someone like that and you're giving him open three-pointers on almost every single possession if he wants them then he's probably going to end up taking seven or eight in that game even his I want to say I think it was the first finals against the Spurs in Miami he kind of, that's kind of how he dominated the, the last two games of that series was they were giving him right, 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 right. he was actually hitting him but his numbers were so much better and you back then right well that was you wanted him to to shoot because they couldn't stop him at all when he took it to the rim so that that was sort of their you know last ditch sort of attempt to to neutralize him was just turn him into a jump shooter and you're right I mean he was he was much more equipped to kind of handle that uh defensive scheme back then but I yeah I mean I I don't he's too smart of a player to fall into a trap where I think he's taken like 12 right. threes in a game or something like that but I think you could still make it work to your advantage a little bit uh, I think he has to take some though mm-hmm. you can't you can't be a complete non-factor you right. have to at least and LeBron but you has, yeah well I mean he he'll, he'll take some and that's probably what you want if you're the Raptors you don't want you don't want to end the game with LeBron having attempted three threes you know so I think if you get him to take seven eight nine threes you know you can hit two of those and you're you're still loving that strategy yeah yeah absolutely all right so tonight we have Bulls Spurs and Cavs Lakers as the TNT doubleheader will you be tuning into either of those Uh, hmm Larry Nance versus Channing Fry <laughs> I don't think so I I guess I mean Hawks Raptors is the best game of the night yeah and that's that's not on TNT well ba- I think Badgers uh Cornhuskers is probably your game of the night uh, some would argue well are you one of those people <laughs> I might be um <laughs> I wanted to. We'll bring up the Gophers later. I have a. I have some things I wanted to ask you oh, about, sure. about their um, run. <laughs> well, man, I don't get Pac-12 Network either. Colorado at Arizona or against Arizona. In the How do you Pac-12 not get Pac-12 tournament. Network? I don't think anybody. Don't they does. give it to all does, Arizona does, alums? Does, does that any, just come with your degree? Does anyone? Uh, does anyone get Pac-12 Network? I don't know. I actually don't does. know. I've never even <laughs> seen Pac-12 Network on the guy. Yeah. I, who knows. All right, be a part of all the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official DFS partner of RotoWire. With Daily Fantasy, you don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster. You can play whenever you want. You can pick a new team every time you play. Challenge your friends in a custom league to prove that you're the superior GM or square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOHOOPS. That'll let you play free with your first deposit. DraftKings.com, the official partner of RotoWire. Again, that promo code is RotoHoops, and that can be used at DraftKings.com. So, big news, probably the biggest news uh, of the morning. Only a four-game slate on this Thursday, as usual. Chris Bosh issued a statement, kind of breaking the silence. Haven't really heard much from him or the Heat on the blood clot situation. Basically said that he's vowing to return at some point this season. The Heat didn't really follow up the statement, but some of the Miami Heat writers... uh, you know, we're we're cautiously optimistic, I guess, maybe a little bit more pessimistic than Bosch was, just saying that, you know, he's not going to be cleared unless they're absolutely sure. Miami's not going to push him to come back. Bosch knows the risks. So mm. I think you have to take this as an encouraging sign because I, I, I think the silence was kind of interpreted as he's probably not going to be back. There's only, you know, a month, month and a half left. Uh, but it sounds like Miami's going to get Bosch back at some point now. Heat, Hawks, Hornets, Pacers, Bulls, Pistons, those six teams are all separated by four games right now does Bosch coming back uh you know assuming he's back for at least maybe 10 regular season games uh could be less could be more does him coming back solidify the heat as a for sure playoff team because one of those six isn't making the playoffs I think that they're a for sure playoff team regardless of whether he comes back just because I think that they're they have too big of a lead like it's only four games between the the four and the eight spot when you have that many teams like I just don't see them falling all the way out. I think at this point in the season, that's enough of a lead to kind of have them safely in. Yeah, and I think that maybe speaks more to the rest of these teams just not being able to string together a nine-game winning streak well, to climb up the you standings. Know, you know, it's three of them could, and they'd still stay in. You know, that's yeah. that's when you have that many teams. Like if they were, 
uh, four games up, but they were in the sixth spot, then I sure. could see them dropping out. But right, you that need, many yeah, teams, you need five right. teams below you basically to play well. Um, Detroit kind of on the outside looking in right now. They're among those six teams that are right there. But if the season ended now, they would be uh, technically behind Chicago. They're one game up in the win column, but one game back in the loss column. Are you a little bit disappointed with with how this Detroit team has played this season? I, I they keep being framed as kind of a nice story. You know, they're playing well. Mm-hmm. Under Stan Van Gundy, Drummond's having this great year. Reggie Jackson's been pretty good. They got Tobias Harris, but then when you check the standings, it, it seems like they they can never really climb past you know seventh or eighth. Well, they are they're seventh in the conference in in plus minus, and I actually think they're gonna get in i think the the bulls will fall out i think that okay i wanted to ask the bulls are falling out out of those well this wasn't like so detroit approached this season just kind of as a organizational growth season like not not really with any kind of big time goals and i think that they've they've done a really good job in that regard they've they've really established contavious caldwell pope and marcus morris and reggie jackson and andre drummond as, as pieces they can move forward with they added to that with the Tobias Harris acquisition and unfortunately Stanley Johnson hasn't quite been able to develop the the way that you would have hoped but I still think their their starting five is is easily one of the eight best in the east so I think it is too but I mean how are they only two games over 500 I feel like their goals were to get better but I also think they thought well look at their bench I mean yeah it's it's a pretty it's a pretty ugly bench and and they it's the East isn't like being two games over 500 and the East isn't like as bad as that used to sound, you know, like I think just being above 500 with such a young core, like Andre Drummond is, you know, you think of him as being a guy that's been like around a while and, and really kind of cemented as one of the better big men in the league. But this is his first year as like the guy in the I mean, post. Was he 22? Right. Maybe and, and like Reggie Jackson was new to the equation last year. I mean, these are a lot, this isn't like a team that's been working together for, for multiple years. So, uh, I, I mean, I think Stan's one of the better coaches in the conference, the, the bulls, like everything that everything positive, I would say about the Pistons, I would say the same thing negatively about the bulls right now, yeah, just in terms of how the, the pieces fit and how the, the coaching has gone. So, I think the Bulls fall out. The Bulls are they I don't know where they're going, honestly. I would Nobody not does. I wouldn't be surprised now with Butler coming back, um, although he actually is visiting with Dr. James Andrews today, which never seems to be a great sign. But assuming he's back, I wouldn't be shocked if they climbed as high as five, maybe even four. You know, I mean they have the talent. Butler maybe is outside of Paul George is probably the best player on any team, you know, numbers three through nine. But like you said, the pieces haven't really fit together. They they have a lot of guys who you like individually, but they just they don't seem to fit. The coaching situation's been a bit of a mess, and I, as an organization, I guess they just kind of seem hesitant to accept that they might not be a playoff team for the first time in a while. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't really think the fact that they might not be a playoff team is the fact that they're just not even contenders really is is the thing that they might be having a hard time well right i mean the deadline came and went and they they had their opportunity to get some return for you know a guy like gasol or noah Mm -hmm. or gibson and they they opted to hold on to him and what to me at least seemed like you know not you maybe you're not making a championship run this year but they wanted to they didn't want to fall out this year what was that rumored gasol king's trade was it like was it Willie Colley Stein for Gasol or mm. their draft pick for Gasol or something like that? I, I feel like I heard about that on. Well, yeah, there was. I mean, the Gasol some, to, to Sacramento had some traction. It was something. Was Rudy I Gay remember. In that? No, I remember hearing it and being shocked that a the Kings offered it and b the Bulls declined it because it seemed like just given Paul Gasol's contract. And and when he becomes a free agent, it seemed like something the Bulls should do and and embrace a right. bit of a rebuild. Exactly. Uh, and they they aren't really doing that. I, I I've also heard kind of comparisons to their situation uh, and Portland situation, where Portland didn't Portland made a lot of smart signings this off season, but they didn't go like full on rebuild because they had a player in Damian Lillard 
who was in his prime and ready to to compete right now. And I think that you could maybe make the case that Butler is that guy for Chicago and that they shouldn't tear everything down, but they should kind of bring pieces in that complement Butler a little bit better. Uh, I think that that's kind of a worthwhile move. I don't think trading Jimmy Butler for like a bunch of picks makes a ton of sense unless it's just a, a crazy, crazy deal. Uh, but I do think they got to find a way to get rid of Derrick Rose in the offseason. Yeah, I think so too. And there's there's a lot there's a lot of kind of a mess, I guess, surrounding that Rose situation. It's not your typical, you know, should we trade this guy or not? There's there's so much entangled with how that situation, I guess, has unfolded since he's been in Chicago. Um, would you have done that rumored deal uh, if you're if you're the Bulls that that was on the table with the Celtics, um, the Brooklyn pick? And then I think it was one or two other first rounders straight up for Butler. Uh, man, um, I don't think were, do. are they Brooklyn first rounders? It's the it was I think as far as I understand it would have been the Brooklyn pick this the, year this year's and then pick. either you know I think they own Memphis's pick or something. Uh-huh. It would have been like a another late lottery mid first and then maybe another pick in the future. I might have considered it if. I was getting like the remaining Brooklyn picks, like all of them. Oh, because because yeah. the Brooklyn pick is always going to like every year the Brooklyn picks going to be. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we, we're, <laughs> like, you're going to be able to say the Brooklyn pick for right, the next three years, right? Uh, like I don't really want. Like I mean, if it was just one Brooklyn pick and then like two, you know, mid middling picks, then I would I would pass easy on that. But if you yeah. get you get three Brooklyn picks, that could be three top five picks. So I, yeah. I'd, I'd take that over Jimmy Butler just because. You Love just on that Celtics team though. It'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be that would sweet. be a lot of fun. All right, looking to the West now. So Dallas has dropped four straight. All of a sudden, they're just point five games up, or I don't know why I said point five, a half game up on Houston for that seventh place spot. Utah three games back of Houston. They sit in ninth, so three and a half back of Dallas. Is there a chance that Dallas is going to fall out here? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, there is a chance, but I I think that they stay in. I just think that the, I mean, the Jazz have a lot of nice young pieces, but they haven't been playing that well. the The lead is just a, a tad too much, I think, for for Dallas to give that up over the final seventeen games. Yeah, I think so too. I think Utah is another one of those teams that just hasn't shown that it's capable of stringing together wins and they've had their opportunities i mean dallas is four and six you know they've like i said they've lost four straight four and six of their last 10 utah's two and eight they've got i mean they've got what do they got like the best or second best defense in the league and they They can't score the ball they you look at that roster there's a lot of nice pieces but they're still a piece or two short i mean when when shelvin max the answer at point guard that's not ideal and with with Rodney Hood banged up I mean they're they just don't really have the the guns to to get it done on right. offense and that that you know holding opponents to 97.4 points per game looks great but when you're only scoring 97.6 and you're putting up you know totals in the 70s against other good teams you just you just can't win that many games and that's that's the reason they only have 29 wins um I wanted to ask you quickly most disappointing teams in each conference and you know I'm sure you can you can kind of frame this in the discussion we just had probably going to be a team that's not in the playoff race for me it's the bucks we're not going to talk anymore about them um but that's been disappointing and then it, detroit and i think i kind of touched on that uh, just a bit ago just I, th- I thought they would be able to maybe take advantage i guess of these these building blocks that they have and and be kind of in the position that that boston is a team that's you know 10 plus games over 500 if everything clicks like you said the bench hasn't been there they've had some injuries stanley johnson tolliver have been out for a while that's kind of killed them uh, but I'm still a little bit disappointed with this Detroit team, despite being two games over 500. Those are your two teams in the East that you're most disappointed in, relative to expectations, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I it's got to be up there. It's got to be the Bulls and the Wizards. It's just got to be. I don't, I don't. The Wizards. I just don't know why everybody loved them that much. I'm not going to claim well, they that. Were, I wasn't like you know flying the flag that the Wizards were going to be terrible this year. But I just I don't know. I, I don't think look, the expectations. I, were I didn't that high. buy into them as a <clears throat> as like a, a contender to challenge the Cavs. But when you what were they like the the fifth seed last year or something like that? I mean, they were four or five. They were like middle middle of the playoff pack in the East last year. You have a uh, young backcourt duo that's injured, supposedly you know still getting better, and they fall all the way out of the playoffs. Uh, the Bulls, we we talked about them. 
you know, the Butler injury is one thing, but I think good teams find a way to, to remain uh, or to at least have, have banked enough wins to, to sustain an injury like this and still stay in the playoff race. Uh, the magic I'd even throw in there just because, you know, when is this team ever going to take that next step? They, they've been at this exact same spot for three years in a row now. They keep adding young talent. It doesn't really do anything in the win-loss column. And, you know, it's just it's just kind of, you know, treading water for them. So I think I'd, those would be my three in the East. Okay, yeah, the Washington the Washington thing is weird. Like, the injuries that they've had and the lack of depth and the poor coaching I, I think is all – it's kind of resulted in not that surprising to me of a result with them being three under. I'm, I'm making money off the Bucks, by the way. Like the you before the, the before the season, I I put some money on the under. So I mean, like I didn't know that they'd be this bad, but I definitely yeah. didn't buy into them as a surefire playoff team. Always take the under. So are we ready to rule out? I mean, I made I made 14 bucks. I think taking the under on the Titans really went and really took a leap of faith Ooh, there. Nice. Um, are we ready to rule out everybody below Detroit in the East? I am. Washington's out. Yeah. All right. Two and a half games. They're out. They're out. Are we ready to rule out everyone below Utah in the West? Uh oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure, right? Yeah. You How can even you can turn these into to sound bites if you want. We can we can play it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. How is Denver ahead of teams like Sacramento and New Orleans and Minnesota that are trying to win? Maybe Minnesota's not. Coaching. I guess. I mean, it, this almost has to be viewed as a successful season. I like Denver, I right? like Mike Malone, and I didn't name him as one of the ten best coaches when we were doing that exercise earlier this season. But he was kind of one of the honorable mention guys I had there. And yeah, they've got you know they've got a lot of young pieces, but you could stack up you know when healthy, and that hasn't been the case all season. But when healthy, you know they're five best players versus the Kings five best players I'd probably take the Nuggets even with with Boogie there and you know the Pelicans are obviously a complete train wreck and you know Pelicans Timberwolves Lakers maybe even Kings might have have four of the seven or eight worst coaches in the league oh yeah oh yeah the bottom of the west is gold mine for poor coaching <laughs> have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online most sites make it complicated try to sneak in huge fees at the checkout that is why you need to try SeatGeek. they've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets SeatGeek is the only place i ever go to to look for tickets to a game or concert excuse me i have the SeatGeek app on my phone just used it the other day to look at tickets for the big 10 tournament did not end up buying tickets for the big 10 tournament because i did not want to finance a trip to the big 10 tournament but i can confirm that they were available (laughs) i'm sure you considered doing that as well to go watch the gophs no comment <laughs> SeatGeek takes all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. They pull all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming events, and SeatGeek will let you know if ticket prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is ranked based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to view the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price, unlike StubHub. They show you the full ticket price from the start and finish and never try to trick you with huge fees on the checkout page. Our listeners to the Rotowire NBA podcast get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. In order to redeem this, download the free SeatGeek app on your phone, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, and then you can enter the promo code RWNBA. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter that promo code RWNBA. So I actually did look into tickets for the Big Ten tournament, and I was a little bit hesitant. I think I'm a, we're a little bit spoiled, or I shouldn't say we're a little bit spoiled. I've been a little bit spoiled as a as a Wisconsin supporter these last couple of years. Like you know, I went to the Final Four last year. The year before that, the Badgers were obviously there. I didn't go, but it's to the point now that it's like ah, oh, it's only the Big Ten tournament. You know, maybe, maybe I'll wait until they make it a little further. I, you haven't had that same experience with the Gophers. I've never even really considered going <laughs> to a uh, going to a gopher game that wasn't at coal center or the barn so it's never it's never ever crept into my mind as an option do you think they get in as an at-large and they lost in the first round of the big 10 tournament on wednesday bubble team right now you know that, that the two wins in conference we'll see how the committee likes that i don't think they'll love it quality wins over maryland uh ul monroe mm-hmm. umkc Chicago State, 
Uh, but those were all at home. So you got to wonder what the committee is going to think about that. I know you'll be sweating it out on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you know, viewing party at my house, I guess, <laughs> for uh, Selection Sunday. It would actually be kind of funny. You know, they show the the teams that are on the bubble. You know, they have, like, the live cam as they're watching the show. Like, if the Gophers had that set up, like, all the players are yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I know what the Gophers players are going to be doing on Selection Sunday, and it's not not, not going to be watching not the show. watching the Selection Show. They, Does the CBI uh, have a Selection Show? They're two hundred and sixteenth according to Ken Palm, which is you know on the bubble. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big bubble. <laughs> it's on the bubble. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't think they're getting in. You could sneak in as a sixteen, maybe. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll finish out. We've talked a lot about. Literally nobody's listening anymore after we just spent two minutes on GoPro. <laughs> yes, if you haven't, that's, that's your prompt. If you to haven't turn thrown your phone into the nearest <laughs> body of water. Uh, um, <laughs> so let's talk twenty-one and under guys, and you know this kind of goes into the discussion of Giannis, the way he's been playing Towns as well. Beginning of the year, we we kind of talked about those three guys. The other, the third being Wiggins, um, and it was you know Towns number one, Wiggins probably number two, Giannis number three. Is has Giannis officially kind of surmounted Wiggins in the under twenty one rankings? Yeah, I I think I would take I'd go Towns Giannis. Yeah, we have a list of other other. I'd go, t- other I'd go Towns guys. Giannis Porzingis Russell Wiggins would be my top five. Russell's over Wiggins. Yeah, is it because of these last couple of weeks, or has this been just an overall thing? Uh, I haven't. His value to me has not changed since the start of the season but Wiggins value to me has dipped slightly even though that that could be just a complete overreaction to Sam Mitchell being terrible uh I think Wiggins you can't you can't really say that his stock especially in terms of fantasy has not decreased this season just based on the the lack of production in in non-scoring categories oh yeah absolutely and I I think the arrival (laughs) of Towns it, it, I mean, obviously, it helps the Timberwolves franchise, and it and it gives Wiggins kind of a running mate. But at the same time, it, it takes away those alpha dog responsibilities. And you know, maybe Wiggins, you know, that's kind of one of, one of the big criticisms on him is he doesn't seem to have that alpha dog gene. But you I mean, are we going to have to see him? Is he going to be okay? I guess kind of being the B guy to Towns' A now going forward. I mean, I think he's totally comfortable in that role. I just. I didn't. See, I haven't seen like any growth from him this right. season, and you know, I, I think that 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 could change next year. But you know, he just doesn't seem all that hungry to get better. Like I think he's kind of just he likes what he's doing right now, where he's just kind of the lead perimeter scoring option. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on a bad team. I don't know how much he's bothered by the fact that they're on a bad team. Like I, I don't know. I th- I feel like Towns is one of those guys that's going to continue to work yeah. better or work to try to get better and, and takes winning and losing kind of seriously. I'm not sure about Wiggins. Uh, and then, you know, Giannis and Porzingis are already ahead of Wiggins in terms of being all around players, I think. And I think Russell's got a, got a crazy high ceiling. And I know, I know like you can tell Russell views himself as, a stud and wants to prove to people that he's uh, uh, one of the best point guards in the league. Like he's takes that stuff really seriously. Like he, he cares about like what people say about him and what his legacy is and stuff like that. Whereas Wiggins, I just don't really right. think does. Well, Byron Scott takes that as cockiness right. or, yeah, you know, millennialness. Yeah, yeah. but I, no, I think that is a good point. I think you want, you want a guy to have that, right? right. You want a guy to, to think he's the best player. And obviously, D'Angelo Russell is not the best player in the league as a rookie, but <coughs> I don't have any problem with that mindset at all, as long as it doesn't mm-hmm. you know, overtake the ultimate goal of becoming a better player. And you know, you, if you think you're the best player already and you stop working at it, then there are issues. But no, I don't have a problem with, with him being outspoken about that at all. It'll be interesting for both of these guys, assuming there are new coaches in place, um, another high lottery pick heading Minnesota's way, you never know what's going to end up happening with the Lakers, mm-hmm. whether they get another high pick, they end up maybe signing some free agents. There's actually going to be expectations now heading into next year, assuming that there's competent coaching on either side. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty big assumption. Uh, but well, I mean, I, anybody but these two guys. Right. right. I Well, I just don't know. Like, I don't really get the point of not firing those guys. In I mean, maybe you're just doing it out of, like, respect. Like, 
the Lakers maybe just respect Byron Scott too much. Why? Like, <laughs> I don't know, because he's a former Laker. Like, I don't know. Like, it's not a – it's just not – there's no legitimate reason – in if my mind, to hang on to either is those you played guys. for us for a while. <laughs> I think then, that is, I think that's what it is. Oh, hello, well, Samaki like, Walker, 2016. I mean, unless you're just keeping these guys to make sure that you you get a high pick, then I can't. That's the only reason I can see for for not having fired both. It of these does guys. it does give a nice little built in excuse, you're, I guess, for both of these teams. Well, you're legitimately stunting in in both cases. You're stunting the development of your future. Well, that's your assets, like. You're giving your team a better chance to add another future <laughs> asset, but it might come at the expense of your current assets. Yeah, like I Wiggins development, Russell's development, Randall's development. I mean, even like secondary pieces on the T Wolves. Uh like Zach Levine's development is is the fact that they won't let him uh play like thirty two minutes a game at shooting guard. Like I I just don't really understand that. I mean you That ha- game that came against the Bucks last weekend Damian Rudez was the closer I it's it's baffling it is and so that that's that's the problem it's not oh you could have won 24 games instead of 19 games it's that you're you're not making sure that young players are properly getting developed right and the thing is it's not like these teams are gonna fly up the standings if they're playing their young players as they should you know well when you're yeah I don't I don't have the like standings in front of me. When, when you're as bad as these teams are, like nothing you're doing is working. Clearly, like you're this isn't you're not achieving what needs to be done here. Right. So just just switch over to to developing the young guys. I mean, I I just don't I don't really understand it. it. Very very strange. Um, Devin Booker played well, put up 32 against the Knicks last <laughs> night. Jill Okafor, jury still seems to be out. People feel I feel like people feel the same way about Okafor as they did from game one, right? Where he just Everybody, you know, nobody doesn't like Jalil Okafor as a player, but there certainly doesn't seem to be that thought that he's a future superstar. Uh, I mean, I don't love him as a player. I mean, he's he's kind of just a bigger version of Jabari Parker to me. Like he's he's not a he can't play de- can't play defense, and doesn't make his teammates better on offense. And so that's those are but pretty pretty two big numbers, red flags. The numbers are so good, you know. And most years he's probably the rookie of the year just based on numbers. It, the rebounding hasn't been ideal. It, he's been as advertised, though. That's the thing. He's been exactly what people thought he would be. He's a right. NBA ready big man who's putting up, you know, veteran big man numbers as a rookie, just not playing any D. Right. I mean, I yeah the. I just wonder what the expectations were, you know? Like no, if, you, I, if you think this is a disappointing season, no. then you were expecting too much of Okafor. Like, I think the people that are highest on Okafor... Oh, by the way, shout out to the guy that kept commenting in my preseason articles where I had Towns ahead of Okafor and, and giving me crap for that. Um, yeah. But uh, I think if you're really, really high on Okafor, you think that by next year or the year after that, he'll be like a 26-12 and 12 guy. You know, and I think that that's as long as he stays on terrible teams, that's entirely possible. Like he could, he could definitely average like twenty five and ten at, at at the very least, just because of how skilled he is offensively and how bad that team is. But you're, if you do that and you are not making your teammates better and you're not playing defense, that basically means you're like an like a league average player at that point because right. you're, you're all your negatives are so glaring that they take away from all the positives exactly so yeah it'll be interesting to see where his development goes do you need a website why not do it yourself with wix.com no matter what business you're in wix has something for you you need to get the word out about your business it all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor tool there's no coding needed you don't need to be a programmer or a designer to create something beautiful you can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be too busy to build a website for that business. And because you're busy, it has to be easy. And that is where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix, that's W-I-X.com to create your own website today. The result will be stunning. All right. It's time for the action. We're (laughs) only going to do one movie today. We're going to wrap this up quick. All right. What are we going with? All right. Uh, let's see. All right. 
do one. Let's do Man on Fire. Man on Fire. Have not seen it. But Denzel Washington ah, is in it. Okay. Um so I've that. seen I've seen it like sitting on the shelf at a store. Sure. Uh jeez. <laughs> He's in so many of these type of movies. Is this one where he where he saves like a like a girl? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like a what is she? She's like she's like a child, right? Yeah. Um yeah, I'm searching for the word child. I was gonna say not I was gonna say not woman. It's <laughs> not a synonym for child. She's not a woman. So yeah, she's not yet a woman. Uh, <laughs> to quote Britney Spears. So yeah, it's like he doesn't he have another movie like this, something blocks, seven blocks. Or you know, some sort of blocks in you know, like number of streets. Mm, taking Pelham one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Two no, guns? No, like 27 blocks or something blocks. That's that's not a Denzel movie. So this girl's being kidnapped, um, <laughs> and he you know, he's, he goes in and saves her. And at, at some yeah. point he starts on fire. The fire department comes. <laughs> they, put, they put him out. Um, and, you know, he suffers some pretty severe burns, but he ends up being okay, and, and so does the girl. And that's how it wraps up. Yeah. He's basically a, a vigilante fireman. They're going to kill the love of my life. Yay! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide. In theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.